Alright, so today I'm going to be talking about the game Near Automata. It's a game that came out back in 2017. Near Automata, or the sexy robot game, is a hack and slash made by the infamous Platinum Games. In this game, you're going to be spending your time booting and mashing all types of robot thugs, fighting with anime boys, and have your perspective on life challenged time and time again. Yoko Taro, the director of this game, seems to have taken some cues from Shakespearean literature and has directed his game to act similarly to the game that meshes into a wonderful experience for any player. Act 1. Scene set. Humanity has been forced to the moon due to an alien invasion. These aliens have used a race of tinker toy-like robot creatures, and the only hope for humanity to ever return back to Earth is an elite group of androids known as Yorha. The mission starts. We're introduced to the game by a quote by the main heroine, Tubi. Everything that lives is designed to end. We are perpetually trapped in a never-ending spiral of life and death. Is this a curse or some kind of punishment? I often think about the god who blessed us with this cryptic puzzle and wonder if we'll ever have the chance to kill him. Initially, this feels like a throwaway line that players usually end up forgetting. However, once we reach the end of the game, things come full circle, actually. In the first few hours, we are introduced to the game's main cast. We have 9S, our partner in robot killing, the commander, called the commander, who's essentially the robot boss, A2, the rogue android, we have Anemone, the resistance leader, who leads a bunch of not as cool androids on the surface who only have guns and things like that, Adam and Eve, who look like androids but they're actually robots, imagine a bunch of discount Sephiroth clones essentially. Then we have Pascal, the leader of the village of friendly robots. And then we have a few other members who in there who are essentially our sidecasts. For much of the game, you spend your time being led around by the nose by Adam and Eve until we reach the alien's base somewhere in the middle of the game. Here you actually learn that the aliens have been dead for a long, long time and that Adam and Eve finished off the very few of them that remained. We uh, keep going on from here until we get into a gigantic battle with another machine life form that actually emerges from the sea. Our friend 9S gets carted off by Adam and Eve, and as to Eve, we've got to go save him. Here, we actually learn that Adam has separated from Eve, and that he has disconnected himself from the network, which is essentially the machine's system that allows them to keep coming back over and over and over again, which keeps perpetuating the war. We end up fighting him and killing him and saving 9S. Eve gets super pissed and tries to kill everyone only for him to fail. 9S gets corrupted with a logic virus near the end of the game, dies temporarily, but thanks to the power of magic, he gets brought back. And now we have Act 2. In this version, we actually get to play as 9S. In this part of the play, we get the understory of the things going on. We learn about the true meaning behind the war between humanity and the aliens. Unlike 2B, who only learned the truth near the end of her initial play, 9S slowly figures out that the war between humanity and the aliens is essentially non-existent. Humanity has actually been dead for a very, very long time. We go through the game doing the exact same missions with a few variations on side missions here and there until we get to the very end where 9S is deciding if he wants to tell 2B but he keeps the tragic realization from her knowing that if he told her that she essentially would lose all hope to keep going on. 
And here in Act 3 is where we get the tragedy, is where I like to compare it to how everybody dies in the third act of a Shakespeare play like Hamlet. Uh, here, with the main baddies dead, Yorha plans a mission to head to Earth to wipe out the machine lifeforms once and for all. Unfortunately, the machines got an upgrade patch out of nowhere and they can use EMPs and viruses to annihilate the android forces. Suffice to say, the mission fails and most of the Yorha forces are wiped out aside from 2B, 9S, and A2. For now. Later, we discover that 2B has been infected with a logic virus as, all, as well, and it is not long until she too succumbs to this. And here, she begs for A2 to mercy kill her so that she doesn't have to go through the pain anymore. 9S is also here, and he goes ballistic from this point. For this portion of the game, we experience three sides. Not three, we experience two. No, I was right. We experience three sides of the story. A2, who spends most of her time hunting down machines to kill just to satisfy her need to keep going on. 9S, who spends the entire time of his story delving into the depths of insanity as he too continues to fight machine life forms and explore these towers that have seemingly come out of nowhere. And then we have the pods, who I forgot to mention before are the assistants of the assistants. How we have 2B and 9S, 2B and 9S also have their own little robot helpers, which essentially shoot bullets out and things like that. And then, through many trials and tribulations, A2 and 9S fight through the machine hordes and make their all the way to the final stage of the game where they prepare to square off against one another one more time. And depending on who you pick at the very end, you get their respective ending. If you complete both endings, you are treated to a special bonus final ending. Imagine the true ending where you fight against the credits. An interesting twist, should you lose enough times, little pilot ships with usernames from other characters, not from other, not from other players, connected to PSN, PlayStation Network, will actually come to help you. Every time they die though, they lose their, you get the username of that person, and when you finally beat the game, you are given a choice to have your username, game data, recorded and then turn it into a little ship to help someone else out in the world. The game tries its hardest to state that you will not know this person, you may even hate their guts, but if you decide to help them, I'm sure it will give you a nice little feeling on the inside of your chest. Uh, once you do that, all your game data is deleted afterwards, and you are met to a brand new title screen, but you have to start the game over from zero. If you're press the new game, you're presented to the cycle all over again. Nier Automata is a game that on the surface seems that if it's just a game about fighting and killing robots, but the deeper you delve into the story, the more you realize that there's a point. Which is why I really enjoy how it is presented in such a way, because a lot of people don't see video games as a media worth actually paying attention to. Admittedly, it is a bit disposable because every few years, no matter how good the game you think is, what's going to be coming out in the subsequent generations may just put it into the dirt entirely. However, I feel that these games with the stories such as Nier Automata should be taken a look at to remind people that video games, while maybe not the strongest media because of all the consumption that goes onto it, the stories that are told into it as a whole are very important. And then you have these little nuggets such as this game about why you should play video games. <laughs>